who would like, this is right much reading, who would like to read Daniel chapter 4 about halfway through the chapter? Maybe uh, there are about 33 verses. Let's get somebody. This is good. It's Nebuchadnezzar's dream. I want everybody to see this because um, I think it's an important lesson when we walk with Jesus. And maybe we can uh, get somebody to read verses 1 through 18. And then somebody read verse 19 through 33. Daniel chapter 4. Kendall? King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nation, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for you. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my place, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. I was lying in bed. The, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar. That's after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in me. I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and therefore before me stood a tree in the middle of the lake. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. And let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by from him. The decision is announced by messengers. Holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and gives them to anyone who wishes, and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Amen. Read uh, verse 19. What translation are you reading from? Uh, verses 19 through 33. It's good. I like that. 19 through 33. Anybody? I keep going. Keep going. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, 
Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applies to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy man, coming down and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the ground, in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, let him live like the wild animals, until seven times pass by of him. This is the interpretation of this is a decree of the most highest issued against my lord and the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will be grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most highest sovereign over the kingdoms of men and give them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its fruits means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. Mm-hmm. Tell 33. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will be dressed like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and was dressed like his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle, and his birds like the, or his nails like the claws of a bird. Amen. Why don't we learn God's truth by listening to God and doing it His way? You know, when I was growing up, you know, I think probably I was in this, and maybe all of you were too, is that we thought we knew it all. And, you know, you'd have people around you, maybe your mother and father, maybe your grandparents or aunts and uncles and so forth, and they would try to give you advice, and we didn't want to listen to them. And uh, we sometimes, all of us could say, probably we've come from the school of hard knocks, is that we learn through experience. But, you know, learning God's truth either by God's way or by the hard way. And we see here King Nebuchadnezzar actually learned the hard way. He still did not listen to God. And he will, though, later on in the chapter, and we'll look at it real quick. But he obviously repented and recognized who God was. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the king that we talked about in Daniel chapter 3 some weeks ago, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was thrown into the fiery furnace, and they didn't burn up. Remember, there were four people. There were four people in that fire. Jesus, I believe, was there with them, but not they weren't even, didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. The only thing that was burned off of them were the, the bindings. In other words, kind of like 
you're saved like that, you're set free. The bondage that you were in is sin, that you've been set free by that. And the only thing is Nebuchadnezzar saw the miraculous being done. You and I have seen the miraculous being done. We need to test the Spirit, but sometimes we don't recognize that because we're going through life and maybe because of unbelief or whatever it may be, but we don't acknowledge God in these things. And even when there's success in our lives, we don't give God the glory. You know, we have uh, so much to be thankful for, and that's why we have this time of prayer, a time where we can uh, say, Thank you, Lord. Praise you, because you are good. And that's why when we see cancer healed, or people being given jobs, or people being delivered, or whatever it may be, how grateful we should be. I've been reflecting upon salvation. How grateful I am that I was raised in a Christian home, and my parents took me to church. Some of us, many of us, maybe here were not. And yet I was taken to church, and so I learned. Now, I did my own thing for some years, and I didn't acknowledge God, but that truth and the foundation was there. And I look back, and I am grateful, I want to tell you, because there are many people out there today who have no idea who Jesus Christ is. They've never given their hearts to him. They've never received him as their personal Lord and Savior. They hope they'll go to heaven, or sometimes they just believe everybody's going to heaven. So let's just do what we want to do, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, so to speak, that type of attitude. And there are a lot of people who have sort of a faith, and, and, but yet they don't cross the line in trusting Christ. They believe there's a God, but they don't cross. They're right there. And they, they, they live a good life, and they, they do a lot of good things for people, and yet they don't really step across and accept Jesus Christ into their lives as Lord and Savior. And they're not saved. They're not born again. So I'm thankful today here. And I want to give God the praise because there's so much that's going on in our world today. And if you're saved, you're sitting here today, you can say hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. Amen. You can say thank you, Lord, all day long because of what he has done in our lives. Just salvation alone. He didn't have to go to Calvary for us. He didn't. He laid his life down voluntarily. But he did. And we see here, Nebuchadnezzar has seen these things. And yet he was so prideful, he kept saying that he was the one that had built this big kingdom. And God said, no, you didn't either. See, everything, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in heaven. Everything we have comes from God in that sense, okay? Keither obviously does it himself or he allows it to happen, one or the other. It has to be sifted through his hands. King Nebuchadnezzar, he did not recognize that until, obviously, he was out in the fields drenched in dew, and he was eating the grass like an animal, and his claws, his fingernails, and all, and his beard, all this. He, God he humbled him. And so I want to talk about today is why is God doing all these things? And why is it that sometimes we are just hard-headed as you can, you can get? Why we don't recognize God? Why we don't get, get up in the morning and give Him praise? Why we don't do these things today? And I want to mention a couple things here. And it's the same thing that happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And you know what it is? It's because of pride. Pride. 
Nebuchadnezzar, even after all that he had seen God do and reveal there, he still thought more highly of himself than he ought to have. He didn't recognize God's sovereignty. Nebuchadnezzar had been given many gifts and talents and blessings along with power and authority, but Nebuchadnezzar failed to acknowledge that God had anything to do with it. You see verse 30, he said, Is not this great Babylon I have built as the royal resident by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Nebuchadnezzar's pride leads him to learn the truth of God the hard way. Pride is an ugly sin. It's the same way today, too. It is ugly. And you see, pride is what got Satan cast out of, out of heaven. And he'll be forever tormented in the lake of fire when this thing, obviously, at the very end there, when uh, Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom and so forth. And so we see that. That many times in our own hearts, it sort of like, it, it rises up within us. And the pride that is a sin is a pride that wants attention pointed at you and seeks to exalt you or what you have done apart from God. You hear people saying, my, my, my. I'm not saying my, my, my in the way that you're saying, well, I just need to be comforted here. I'm saying my stuff, my this, my, I did this. And you know, uh, Frank Sinatra sang that song, I did it my way. He did not in that sense. I don't even want to hear that song, to be honest with you, because we don't. We may think we did it our way, but God was behind it if we're successful in what God does in our lives. Proverbs 11 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Proverbs 16, 8, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, a man's pride brings him low. Pride is a stumbling block to us, learning the things of God. Pride is there. In fact, pride will keep us from learning anything from anybody because we think we know it all. Because somehow, don't we? We think, boy, I've arrived at this. I've got this corner here pretty well covered. I remember when I was in the shipyard, I was working... I got out of college, had a business management degree, and uh, Newbernew Shipyard hired me as a foreman, a welding foreman, in fact. And, uh, I mean, I couldn't weld, but they put me through welding school and all, but they wanted to use us because they were going to move us up through management. It was a group of college graduates that came out. And then they assigned me to a nuclear aircraft carrier, in particular frames and particular areas on this carrier being built from the uh, ground up in a dry dock. And they put me there. Well, I couldn't weld. I weld. I went through welding school. But I knew that other people welded a whole lot better than I did, and I was the foreman. I was the boss. And so what I did was, and this, by God's grace, this is God's grace, so I give God the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I began to, to sort of side up beside those old welding foremen that were on there. And I learned from them because they resented me coming in as a foreman. Here I had a college degree and so forth and, and all. And so there was a little resentment until I finally humbled myself and said, I need to learn from you. You know more 
and you've got no more in your back pocket than what I will know all my lifetime about welding, and I need to learn from you. And so I came along beside, and they taught me to weld because I had people coming out of school that couldn't weld at all. I had to teach them and all. I had to learn myself. And a bunch of these foremen that had been in the shipyard for years and years who could weld circles around anything and could weld anything, I got behind them and they taught me how to weld over that period of time. And I learned from them. And I became where I was very proficient at welding and teaching others how to weld and so forth and weld with mirrors. I mean, you name it, and weld it. I could weld it. And I look back over that, and I was just a young whippersnapper. I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time. The Lord was with me. I just didn't acknowledge it. But I humbled myself during that time by the grace of God, and I learned from them. But pride will keep you from learning anything from anybody because we feel like we know it all. And I'm always open to the truth. God will never contradict his word, let me tell you right now. And I know that with all my heart and with all certainty because that's who God is. But my heart is open to what God wants to say to Jim Barcliffe at this time of his life. My heart is humbled and saying, Lord, speak to me and guide me and direct me and do with me as you will and as you please. And so if unless you have a humble spirit, God just shuts off. In fact, he says, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When you humble yourself, and even as I mentioned earlier, in telling God, Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. There are too many things happening around me, but I'm going to look to you. When you humble, that is humility, saying I'm dependent upon you. Because if anything good out of this stuff is going to happen, it's going to be because you intervene. That's humbling yourself. And watch what happens. Things take off when you do that. But so often we brace up and we say, I can do this. You know, God, this is a, this is a little thing. I can do this. And we go on. And God lets us do that. And yet God is looking for people who will humble themselves. People that will trust in him. Nebuchadnezzar... He, was, he conquered a large number of nations, including Israel there. God had handed Israel over to Nebuchadnezzar there. And we see he had all these things. And the question is, have you acknowledged God's authority in your life? And even if you are still, do you feel like somehow you're stealing God's glory for yourself? I believe that's why every day we should get up in the morning and we should say, Lord Jesus, I want to right now Say, you are Lord over my life. And make a, a, a commitment. And it certainly be done on a regular basis. Lord Jesus, you are Lord over my household. Lord Jesus, you are Lord over my car. Lord Jesus, you are Lord over my family. Lord Jesus, you are Lord over my finances. And that brings you back to the recognition of our total dependency upon the Lord. It humbles a humility. Lord Jesus, I can't do it. You're, you're over every aspect of my life. I want you, Lord. And make him Lord over your life because we can't do it. You see, Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way. And so often in our walk with Jesus, is we, have to be, we have to learn the hard way. And I'm telling you today how to do it God's way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? 
whatever we have is from the Lord, whether it's wealth or abilities or power. We didn't earn them and deserve them. They are gifts. Don't steal the glory for yourself. The second thing here is procrastination. Procrastination. Nebuchadnezzar, after Daniel had told him what would happen, it was a hard, the dream saying, this is it. You're going to be out in the fields eating grass unless you humble yourself here. And he didn't. And in verse 29, we will read, I, we didn't read it, or we did, but in verse 29, it took 12 months. And, and Nebuchadnezzar, obviously, it was already prophesied, and he procrastinated 12 months out there. And I want to tell you, there are many people today who are procrastinating about accepting Jesus. There are many people about procrastinating about making Jesus Lord of their lives. There are many people saying, I'll put it off till tomorrow. I'll do this. I'll wait. And where is Jesus? You've been talking about him coming back. He hasn't come back yet. In 2 Peter, it addresses that particular thought. Says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's waiting on people to repent. And so many people today say, oh, you know, you're a doomsday prophet. You know, and, and all these types of things. And they're saying, I don't want to lose out on the fun I'm going to have in life. And what they do, they begin to slip further and further and further away from God until they cannot hear that still small voice speaking and they cannot hear that knocking on their door and they're not serving the Lord. And I've talked about the fact, even if you are saved, that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of our works, of what we'll do, not for salvation, it's by grace through faith in Jesus alone that saves us. But we will give an account on whether or not we serve the Lord. That is right straight from Scripture. And so procrastination. Obviously, I believe God doesn't look at it. When God tells us to do something, we need to do it. So there are two areas that cause Nebuchadnezzar to learn the hard way and, and, and actually cause us as well to learn the hard way here. And, and what can we do to choose God's way? First of all, humble ourselves, our hearts. In 1 Peter chapter 5, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he'll lift you up. Proverbs 29, a man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. <clears throat> we need to recognize the truth of God, that he is the one who works in us, through us, and, and we need to give him the glory for all these things. He'll lift you up. If we humble ourselves. The other thing is we need to obey his word. And we should do it quickly. We shouldn't wait and procrastinate there. God is full of patience and, and grace and so forth. But I believe time is drawing near. We need to get ready for Jesus coming back again. I don't know when he'll be back. But the Bible tells us get ready. Get ready. Obey his word. You know many times people will say I've got time before I need to trust and follow the Lord, I'll obey later on. I'm ready to have a good time now. A lot of people are doing that. Or a lot of people have become apathetic. A lot of people have fallen away from the church. They don't even darken the church doors today. They don't come in and hear the truth of God's word for whatever reason. And they're missing out. 
We need to obey God's word, remember? And we need to obey completely, not half-heartedly and not incompletely. Remember what happened to King Saul when Samuel had told him and the Lord had told Saul to completely destroy the Amalekites? And remember, I believe it was the sheep that Samuel heard bleeding. What's that sheep? He heard it in the background. God said, I told you to destroy every one of them. And Saul basically said, well, I kind of wanted to do it my way. And God removed him from his kingship because he didn't destroy and he did not follow through with what God told him to do. God may tell, be telling me, he may be telling you something to do today. And you're saying, well, I, I just don't have time to do it and all that. And you're going to miss out what God's wanted, wanting to do in your life. That's the way it works. We learn the hard way. And you remember what happened to Abraham? He heard what God wanted him to do and he obeyed immediately. He got up. He left his country. He didn't know where he was going. He set out. He walked by faith and not by sight. Obedience is about recognizing that God's way is the best way all the time. I may not understand it, and I may not obviously agree with it, but we need to obey, right? Nebuchadnezzar waited 12 months. Boom. He was in the field eating grass. Just like God said, we also need to honor God. We need to obviously choose his way instead of the hard way. And Daniel went on to say, you know, verse 36, the word says at the same time that my sanity was restored because what happened was Nebuchadnezzar repented. He was out there, wouldn't you repent to? If you were in the field eating grass with dew on you and had all this hair on you and your, your fingernails and everything were all long and stuff, would you repent or not? I mean, he learned the hard way, but he did repent. And he went on, his sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, listen to what he says, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. He learned, didn't he? He said, I recognize it now that God is God. And so the wonderful thing about it is we can repent because as we honor the Lord, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why not do it on this side? One day everybody, every knee will bow. On the other side, there are no second chances that we can see biblically. But also we need to figure out God's God and we're not. Why don't we obey him when he tells us pride, <laughs> procrastination, and all these excuses we give him. And why else? It's because we think we know better than God. You get into his word and you look at his word. You look at some of the things. And if you look at the meaning of what he's saying here. We're saying today. The word of God is telling us. That we need to, be, to allow God to be God. And stop with this trying to be God ourselves. What got Satan kicked out of there. The Garden of Eden. He got him kicked out. Because he wanted to be God. We want to be God of our own kingdoms instead of surrendering. And a lot of people say, hey, I, I can go along with this God thing, but I don't like the word surrender, and I don't like to surrender, and I don't like to give my life to Jesus, and I don't want to, to give it all up for him today. You remember that young rich ruler? He almost made it in, but he didn't get saved because, remember, the Bible says he walked away. A lot of people right there today, they're playing religion, they're coming even to church 
They're doing good things, and they never stop across, step across that line saying, Jesus, you be Lord of my life. I will do whatever you tell me to do. I will go wherever you tell me to, to, to go. I will say whatever you tell me to say. There are a lot of people today that are in that case. Remember? There will be many that stand before him that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things for you? And on and so forth. And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. The, the real question is today, do you know Jesus and does he know you? That's the question. Do you know him? And does he know you? I'm not talking about religion. Religion it stinks in God's nostrils. I'm talking about a relationship and doing what God wants you to do. Doing what he wants to do. And that is walking by faith. Let God be God. Salvation today. Many people, oh, we don't want to do that because, you know, I'm going to have to give up my time my fun and you know my weekends or whatever it may what else it may be if you need to come back and repent repent also your gifts and abilities are from him don't take credit for him he's made you for who you are I, thank God I tried to do it my way but it was a failure at it and those who try to do it their way will find that they lose every time Obedience. Be obedient. Maybe it's some sin in your life. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's something that you know is hindering your walk with Jesus. Maybe it's something that you know today is keeping you from following Jesus Christ in your life and doing what he told you to do. Have it, whatever it may be. Maybe something, if he's shown you, he wants to deal with it. He wants to. He's pruning today. He's getting us ready without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He's getting the bride ready. Be obedient. Don't procrastinate. Confess your sins. Be cleansed. Turn away. And whatever it is in your life that you need to acknowledge God's sovereignty, knowing and believing that He is God and we're not, whatever it may be, open your heart and receive His presence. God will do it. Nebuchadnezzar learned the hard way. I tell you, I've learned the hard way a lot of my life. The hard way. And I wish I'd said, God, I want to do it your way. And I know we maybe some of us here could say it, maybe all of us can say. God's way is the only way. Nebuchadnezzar had seen the Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, says that we're out without excuse. We, God has revealed himself to us. But there are many people today right there, I want to tell you, I'm seeing that God has revealed that to me this past week. There are many people that are right there on the edge and they will not step across and make Jesus Lord of their lives and, and commit their life to Christ, whatever you want me to do. Let me tell you, if the body of Christ, those that are really saved, would do that, there would be an explosion in the church like we've never seen before in our lives. And I don't care how old we are, how young we are, where we are in our walk of life. God wants to take and use his church to touch people. There are things happening to here, whether or not it be the kiddos trying to reach, reach out through that, whether or not it be trying to feed those in need and so forth, whether or not it's teaching those over there the word of God, whether or not it be in Sunday school, whether or not it be on Wednesday night, whether or not it be through whatever it is we're called to serve. And we're called to walk with Jesus today. And many people are just standing right there on the precipice and saying, no, I don't want to do it for whatever reason. They can come up. We, I can come up with a thousand reasons right today. 
and why you can't do this and can't do that and all so forth. But when you walk with Jesus, you've got to step out in faith today. He's looking upon us. His hands are upon us. One day we'll stand before him. I'm going to close with this. How can we become aware of God's presence? How can we attune our hearts to the Lord? I believe by worshiping. Just what we do in here. And, and worship. And when we praise the Lord. Worship is more than just singing also. It's all about lifestyle. About our relationship with Jesus Christ. Worship brings about the awareness of God's presence. Kendra, I'm going to call on you because you have, you're a good reader too. Read Psalm 100 for me, would you? And you turn to the congregation and read it. I want you to read it because you, right now, what God's doing in your life, and you see that in your hand, you, you're, you're testifying to him. I want you to read it in relation to what God is doing in, in Kendra's life right now. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made it, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and the courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the Amen, amen. You notice what, how, how she read it. She expressed it. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Shout to the Lord. You know, God is worthy of our praise. And the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the air. What happens when we worship God and when we shout, when we read his word, exclaiming how great our God is and how awesome our God is. Let me tell you what he does. He backs out of the way, okay? You want to steal your heart in worship and get in there and exclaim to the Lord that this means something to me. This is personal down there, this song, because I want to tell you the enemy backs off and gets out of the way when you proclaim the word of God and you mean it in your heart. And you exclaim in that particular way. He moves out. Because worship changes the atmosphere. If we're down in the dumps, or maybe we just are having a bad day, begin to worship. And I'll give you an example. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. Y'all know it. It's one of my favorites. I use that example a lot because... It speaks of something I think very important. Worship changes the atmosphere. And this psalm, Psalm 73, is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was David's worship leader. And it was when they were worshiping 24-7 and sacrificing 24-7 at the tabernacle. And he led in worship, okay? So he knew, he knew God's presence. He knew the Shekinah glory of God when the Holy Spirit came in like that or God came in and touched them in that way, okay? Now, Psalm 73, listen to what happened to Asaph, okay? Now, he'd been in the presence of the Lord. God is indeed good to Israel, 
to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray, for I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They are not in trouble the others, like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock, they speak maliciously, and they arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven, and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, the people turn to them and think uh, in their in overflowing words, drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? Does the Most High know everything? Look at them. The wicked, they're always at ease. They, they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and waste my hands in innocence for nothing? Wash my hands for in innocence for nothing, for I'm afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. And when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. Until I entered God's sanctuary, then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. He's looking at those who don't serve the Lord. And he's envying them because it looks like nothing's happening to them. It looks like they're always being blessed and everything good is turned out in their lives. And they're not giving God even a second thought. And yet Asaph had, had led in worship and all. And he looks at them and he began to get a little bit bitter. But look what's happening to them down there. They look like they're doing great down there. You ever thought that about somebody? Looks like they're doing good. Looks like to me. Boy, look at the money they've got. Look at the house they've got. Look at the cars they've got. Look at what this. They don't seem to have any trouble at all. That's what Asaph was saying. And he said, then he said, Lord, I've been serving you. I've been uh, really worshiping you. I've led people in worship. I'm right there with David, and I'm doing all these things and so forth. And, and he began to envy until what? He entered his, the sanctuary of God until he began to worship. Worship changes you. Worship changes the atmosphere. Worship, sit before the Lord. I encourage you when you get up and, and any time where the Lord calls you is to linger before the Lord. Linger, just wait just a moment when you call. And if you've proclaimed this psalm or a psalm or whatever and you, you've, it's come from your heart, sit in the presence of the Lord. You're worshiping when you do that. You're waiting on the Lord. You're seeking him because worship changes the atmosphere. What is all that about? It's about humility. You know, we make many decisions and we never, ever go to the Lord with it. We're, we're making decisions every day, but sometimes big decisions, and we don't consult the Lord and what he would have us to do. And sometimes we mess up bad, don't we? I encourage you today. Seek the Lord. Humble your heart. Ask Him and worship. It changes things. changes your heart. You begin to see things different. It does something. He said, I was like this until I entered into the sanctuary of God. Until I began to worship. Then it changed everything. Worship changes the, the environment, the, the atmosphere. Changes things in the air because Satan is the prince of the air. He he goes he backs off. 
Can't stand that. Somebody praising the Lord, giving God all the glory. Nebuchadnezzar didn't do it, and he was out in the field eating grass. He learned the hard way. Let's pray that we won't learn the hard way. Father, thank you for this day, and thank you for your truth, your word. And dear Lord, help us to do it your way and not the hard way. We see examples throughout scripture. They did it the hard way. And they paid the price. Help us to follow you. If there be anyone here today who's never, ever received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, today may be the day. Time is getting short. And maybe somebody here says, I need to really, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I just want to rededicate. I want Jesus, Lord, in my life, my home, my family, my, my stuff, everything. Today may be the day. I just want you to do that. Come into my heart, Jesus. Just you be Lord. Come back to your rightful place as, as we walk with Christ, whatever it may be. I've got everything out of kilter, and I want to come back in the, in the direction you would have me to go, and that means you first in my life. Be Lord, Jesus. And I say that to you today, Lord. Be Lord of my life. Be Lord over the ministry here at Lighthouse Fellowship. Be Lord over this church. Be Lord over the decisions made by the overseers and other leaders and every person in this place. Be Lord, Lord Jesus, over this. And let me certainly humble my heart and recognize the leading of your spirit in this place. That's all I'm asking, Lord. And let us follow after you. If it's healing or deliverance or whatever the issue may be, God is the answer. Jesus, don't stop short of walking and crossing that line and making Jesus Lord of your life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank